This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and I just want to welcome you. Whether it's your first time or second time or your hundredth time, I'm so glad that you're here today. If you were here last week and you're here today, you know what that's called? That's called a streak. You're winning. You have 100% attendance in church for two weeks. That's fantastic. Winning. I'm very happy for you. I'm happy to be with you. I'm happy to share this time together. And boy, it is going to be a fun, fun journey. Do we have any, any football fans in here today? Yeah, that's exciting. Any, uh, any Vikings fans? Wow. We got some guys in the back. How about Seahawks fans? Any Seahawks fans in here? Now, okay, I didn't say, I didn't say, are there any Niners fans in here? Okay. Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. You're Niners fans. We're all in the same boat. Let's not be bitter. Okay, we'll just cheer for the Vikings and whoever's playing the Packers. That's what we'll do today. Did you know that the, the 10 o'clock game, the Vikings, this is, has nothing to do with the sermon, just so you know. I just found this interesting. The Vikings and the Seahawks game with wind chill is supposed to be negative 20 degrees today, and they're playing outside. Which reminds me of something that I read online recently. It was someone from California, and they said, my favorite thing about winter, living in California, my favorite thing about winter, living in California, is I love watching it happen in the rest of the country. Isn't that like, how many of you are excited to be watching that game from the comfort of your own house where it's 60 degrees? That's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, we've got, we've got some fans. It's going to be a fun day today at church. Uh, I want to get us all on the same page because one thing that we really value here at New Life is whether you're coming in brand new or you've been coming since our church started almost 18 years ago. By the way, uh, next month we will hit our 18th birthday. That means we're like adults. That's very exciting as a church. Some of us, others not so much. But I want to make sure we're on the same page. I believe we're on the same team. We're on the same journey. We're exploring the realities of God and how he impacts our lives. And so we do certain things to get us on the same page. We, we do things like name tags so we can know each other, whether you're brand new or you've been here for a long time. We give you a program each week which has information about our church. And one of the, the things we do each week is we grab this card. So go ahead and grab this. It's our Start Here card. It's a connection card. It's simply a way for us to get on the same page, to connect with each other, uh, to help you uh, get plugged into the things we're doing here at New Life, the things we're doing in Sonoma County and around the world. And I won't ask you to do anything with this until the end of our time together, but then we're going to pass some baskets. I just ask you to drop this in when the baskets are passed. Uh, If you have a prayer request, we love to pray for you. If you want to take some next steps, this is how you would do that. So go ahead and get this card ready and hold on to it until later. The other thing you're going to want are our teaching notes. Uh, I always have the Bible verse or the Bible story that we're looking at on these notes because I want us to come in on the same page. You don't have to bring your Bible if you want to or you want to use your your um, electronic device to pull up the Bible, that's great. But if you don't, you can find the notes right there. Uh, There's some fill in the blanks. And then today, especially, I left the whole backside almost completely blank. So you can write down questions, thoughts, ideas. And when you're having arguments with me in your head, just write it down. Just write it down. Why he's so wrong, that would never work. Just go ahead and write that down. uh, Because we're going to talk about something today that I think could revolutionize your relationships. But when you first hear it, it's going to sound like the worst advice you've ever heard, and you're going to want to argue. So go ahead and just write that down as we go. Uh, We are in week two of our series that we're calling Modern Family, uh, and we decided to launch 2016 with this series. And the whole idea is, I want to help us. I'm praying that, that God would use this series to help us become, you become, 
the best version of your family, of your marriage that you can be. So for some of us, that means going from unhealthy, barely hanging on to a little more healthy. For some of us, that means from going from, from good to great. It means uh, working through some pieces together. Here's why I wanted to start the year off with this series, because we've experienced this to be true, that you can have, you can have a, a great financial life. You can be financial, financially uh, viable. You can have a great career. You can be soaring to the top of your industry. Uh, you can have good friends. You can have uh, a pretty good church. All those things can be going well, but if your family, starting with your marriage and then your extended family, if your family is hurting, is broken, is not working right, doesn't that flavor every other avenue? Have you ever gone to work and, and felt like even though work's going great, something happened at home and it's just eating at you? Just eating at you? I had that. I had that this morning. My little man was having a, a rough parenting time, and it was just hard this morning. I got to work, and it was like, boy, today would be a good day for Ron to be preaching. You know, it's like, this is a tough, tough day. But I, I prayed into it, had some friends wrap around me. We prayed together, and I sat on the side of the stage and said, all right, it's time to show up like a grown-up and get out there and do it. But the truth is, our family was designed to be the core that everything else flows out of. That's why it feels that way. That's why if stuff's not going right in your marriage, you have two options. Get it right, or for a lot of people, get out. Because that, that dynamic is so powerful. And what happens there sets the foundation for everything else. And so we're launching 2016 with this series because I want us to take some next steps together as a community. My prayer is that uh, we would be stronger coming out of this. And if you're single, uh, if you don't have kids, I said this last week, we will never make you feel like less than you are. You are perfectly valuable and complete right where you are. But if you ever want to get married, this is the best series for you because it's all proactive. You don't have to fix anything. You can just be happy about what could come. If you ever want to have kids, it's all proactive stuff. Uh, and if you don't ever plan on getting married or having kids, this is just really helpful to know because you have a number of friends who are married, who have families. And the truth is we can translate this in all of those relationships. And so let me catch you up. If you missed last week, here's a snapshot of what we talked about. Uh, I gave what I called the least romantic marriage sermon in history. That was last week. Uh, basically, I said this, marriage is hard work, and you got to do your work. You got to show up like you're showing up to your job, uh, and desire follows duty, doing your job, doing your work as a couple. And here's what we talked about last week. We zoomed way out, talked about big picture expectation of marriage. Why do we say I do? What's the purpose of marriage? And here's where we landed as we came together. We said, well, God's design for marriage— is that God would use a relationship between you and this person you're married to to help us become more like Jesus, to learn how to forgive like Jesus, how to love like Jesus. Last week, we talked about how to serve, that the, the reason why we say I do according to God is to give our lives away in service to another person, how to be um, committed to someone through the long haul even when times get tough, it's to become more like Jesus. And then what I said was, coming out of last week, zooming way out, we're going to get specific about how to go to work in our relationships. And today we're going to do that. We're going to go to work in our relationships. And I'm going to share something that I think is, is revolutionary marriage advice. It could change everything for a lot of us. But I'm going to warn you right now, the first time you hear it, you're going to say that is the worst marriage advice I've ever heard. 
And then I'm going to tell you what was written by a guy who was single. And you'll say, well, of course, that makes a lot more sense. But this guy used to be married. Now he's single, but he's been there. He's done that. His wife most likely died. and He's writing as a, a single guy. But isn't this the way it is with all revolutionary ideas? They start out, and when they're first proposed, people think that's crazy. It would never work. And yet we walk the path, and it revolutionizes the world. Most people think that, um, that it was Columbus who discovered that the earth was round. But it actually, it, it wasn't. The Greeks, 2,000 years before Columbus, hypothesized that the world was round. But even in Columbus' day, when he sailed, most people believed the earth was flat. And I found this, uh, this old textbook from 1919, and here's what the author says about Columbus's voyage. It said, when Columbus lived, people thought that the earth was flat. They believed the Atlantic Ocean was filled with monsters large enough to devour their ships. And they, they were fearful of waterfalls, uh, which their frail vessels would plunge into destruction. Columbus had to fight these foolish beliefs in order to get men to sail with him. He felt sure that the earth was round. Now, most people thought that that was a crazy idea, but Columbus set out anyway, and he revolutionized sea travel because he was willing to take a crazy idea and press into it. And what I would ask us to do today is when you hear this crazy marriage advice that doesn't seem to make sense, just don't tune out. Just press into it because it could be, it could be revolutionary. And again, this advice is all about zooming in on expectations, because even if we've got the same big picture expectation of marriage, that it is to, it's to learn how to be like Jesus by serving and living with another person, there are everyday expectations that we run against. 10, 20, 30, 50 times a day, you and I have expectations of our spouse in the context of marriage. Some of them are spoken expectations. The dangerous ones are unspoken expectations. And a lot of times expectations come uh, because of how we were raised. Mom and dad did it that way. I just assume marriage is going to be that way. It's little things. It's things like, um, how do we stack the dishes in the dishwasher? Does it go this way or this way? Am I the only one? How do you, um, who sits where on the couch for movie night? Who gets the controller? Who cooks? Who does dishes? How do we fold our shirts? Do you fold them into the middle and over, or do you fold them all the way across and up? This is an ongoing discussion in the Finkbeiner house. <laughs> I ran into this issue head-on early in marriage. So Marie and I had been married not very long, and my parents had this great expectation. Uh, I think it was unspoken. They fell into it. Here was the expectation. On the weekends, mom would do the inside housework and dad would do the outside housework. That worked great, especially when my brother and I got old enough for dad to put us to work. It was really good for him. So we got married and I thought to myself, well, this is good. She'll do the inside housework, the cleaning of the bathrooms and other things, and I will do the outside housework. And here's why it was so, so good. Because we lived in a tiny apartment that had no outside. Like none. So those first couple of weeks, I would wake up in the morning, grab my Bible and a cup of coffee and, you know, sit back and expect her to, to get to clean in the house because she had the inside job and I had the outside job. And she did not appreciate that expectation. What do you do when expectations don't line up with reality? Well, the answer to that question is found in one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. In fact, 
whether this is your first time in church or not, I can almost guarantee every one of us has heard this verse or some, um, some portion of this verse. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard it. Uh, you might have it tattooed on you. You might not even know what it says, but you've got a tattoo of it somewhere. My brother's got it tattooed on his muscles here. He's got bigger ones than me, so he can read it easier. Um, so I guarantee you've heard it, and it starts off like a checklist. But then at the very end of it is where the marriage advice comes in that we're going to press into that just seems crazy. At first, you read the checklist and think, this makes sense. I like this. This is good stuff. But then you get to this one part, and you want to say, no, no, that sounds good at weddings. That sounds okay on the honeymoon. That does not last in real life. It's written by a guy named Paul, and it's back in this book of 1 Corinthians that we explored a little bit last week. And Paul, he shares this information not to married couples. We hear it at weddings all the time, so we assume it's for married people, but it's not. It's actually across the board about how to live in relationship with another person, how to love other people as followers of Jesus. So if you're here and you're single, you can hear this in the context of housemates, of family, of, um, of siblings, of friends. If you're here today and you're having a tough time with one of your kids— you can listen to this through the lens of how do I engage with my kid in a very difficult season of their life? But if you're married, for the, for the sake of this message, I want to encourage you to listen to this in the lens of your spouse. And here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. He says, love, this is his checklist, love is patient, love is kind, love's not jealous, it doesn't brag, and it's not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Love's not provoked, and it does not take into account a wrong that's been suffered. Love does not rejoice with unrighteousness or unright living, but it rejoices with the truth. So he lays this whole checklist out, and I heard a pastor say one time, a good rule of thumb is to put your name in there every time where it says love. And you can do this when you get home. You could ask yourself, is Kevin patient? Don't ask about me. Insert your name. Is Kevin kind, not jealous, but trusting? Kevin doesn't brag. In fact, humility is his best quality. (laughs) Kevin's not self-seeking. By self-seeking, what he's saying is, when you're in the room with someone else, do you think you're the most important person in the room or they're the most important person in the room? That's a good question to ask. When I'm in a room with my spouse or my kids, who's the most important person? Who deserves to be served in that situation? Who gets dinner brought to them? Who eats first? Who eats last? Who does the dishes? Good questions to ask. Good checklist. Love doesn't hold a grudge. Do I hold a grudge? Insert your name here. These are, these are good things to think about. And I want to encourage you, go home. We're not going to even touch on that today because that's not really that controversial. Being patient and kind, not jealous, acting kindly. Those are all good things. But then he gets to verse 7. This is where, if you're honest— If Paul was in the room, you'd say to him, Paul, you've done some good things. You have. You you know, you've started some churches pretty good, more than us. You've written some letters that have gained some notoriety, but Paul, you're out to lunch on this one. And this is what he says. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things, and love endures all things. And the part we get tripped up on is that little tiny word that's repeated four times. All, all. Because each of us would say, love, love bears some things, right? Love believes most of the time. Love hopes to an extent. Love endures. 
at least for a handful of years. But come on, all the time? All the time? But Paul doesn't say sometimes, sort of, kind of. Paul says love, love bears all, believes all, hopes all, and endures all. And here's why, if we're honest, this seems crazy. Because in every relationship, there's a gap that exists between expectations and behaviors. We all have expectations in relationships. They pop up all the time. Sometimes they're spoken, but more often than not, they're unspoken based on our history, our past, how we're feeling that day, the way the wind is blowing. So in every relationship, there exists a gap between expectations. And when I say expectations, um, what I'm talking about are what we expect the other person to do or say or think on any given topic, moment, or time. We all have these expectations. You cook, I'll do the dishes. You take the kids to school, I'll pick the kids up. You make the money, I'll spend the money. Um, How about this one? How about this one? I expect you to be happy when I get home from work because my presence should bring joy to your life. Come on, you're laughing. But how many of you have come home and it's like, why is he seem down? Why is she down? I'm home. Don't you understand? Because at work, I'm the queen of the castle. I'm the king of the castle. I'm home and you don't seem to have your countenance cheerfully joined up by my presence. I walked home yesterday and, and had that. I was, I was at a funeral and I, I came home and, and I didn't have my house keys. Not for any particular reason. Don't worry. She didn't take them away. But I knocked on the door. She opened it and walked away. And I was like, wait a minute. You don't, I'm very confused. Why aren't you joyfully greeting me? I found out the kids had been a mess while I was gone. She's like, at least the person you saw was quiet. That's, that's bad. That's too much. I just crossed the line. Sorry. How about this one? I, I expect in our marriage that we will have sex so many times a week. I just expect it. Now, you guys are saying, don't you mean day? And you women are saying, don't you mean year? But some, there's, there's expectation. And a gap exists between expectations and behaviors all the time. And when I say behaviors, I mean what they are actually doing, thinking, saying, feeling at any given day, at any given moment, on any given topic. And there's a gap all every day, all the time, a gap exists between our expectations of our spouse and their behaviors. And it goes both ways. And every time a gap occurs, we have a choice to make. We can either choose to believe the best about that person or assume the worst. Those are our choices. Because we have certain expectations And when our expectations don't line up with their behaviors in our minds, and we're doing it subtly and subconsciously more often than not, we're writing stories. And those stories either believe the best about that person or assume the worst. And here's the trick. Whatever story we write, whether we say it with our words or not, it leaks out in our relationship always. So he didn't take out the trash I can assume the worst. He's lazy. 
He doesn't love me. He doesn't understand the work that I put in. I can't believe this guy. Or we can believe the best. He probably just forgot. Maybe he's going to do it later. Maybe he's waiting to do the dishes so that he can clean everything up, put it in the trash, and then take it out. She overspent on our clothing budget by $2 again. Well, we can believe the best. She probably just didn't figure in taxes. Okay, that's fair. Or when she overspends, we can assume the worst. She's a shopaholic. She's got spending issues. She does not care about our family or our finances. She is going to run us financially into ruin $2 at a time. I did the math. It's only going to take 70 years and we're going to have no money left from this $2 overspending. You go out to dinner with some friends and he tells that story. You know that story. It's the same story he tells to your friends every time. You've heard the story. Here's the worst part. He tells it wrong every time, every time. Well, we can, we can, we can believe the best. You know what? He's getting older. <laughs> Synapses aren't firing like they used to. Or he just remembers the story differently. It was a different perspective. Or, or, he's a liar. I married a liar. If he would lie about this story, wouldn't he lie about everything else? Our marriage is ruined because you're a dirty liar. And here's where the work comes in. And again, we're talking about working it in our marriage, working it in our marriage. This is the year to work it in your marriage. Whatever we choose to put in here will flavor everything, everything that comes out of our mouth, that comes out of our eyes, that comes out of our face, that comes out of our actions. Whatever goes in the gap is a game changer. And great marriages, great marriages are marriages where Either intuitively or by force of habit, each partner chooses to believe the best in every situation. Now, do a quick inventory. What's your natural bent? What's your natural bent? Are you bent towards assuming the worst when there's a miss or believing the best? Some of you, not us, some of you are naturally more gracious people who believe the best about others all the time. Now, I believe the best about others, but in marriage, mm, it gets a little hard sometimes. Are you a believe-the-best person, or is your natural bent towards assuming the worst, writing stories? The best marriages, the ones, that, the ones where you're sad when your kids go to college, but you're really excited to spend time together. The ones where younger couples just want to come and hang out with you just to kind of be in your presence? They're the ones where each spouse has done this, chosen to believe the best over the years, every time. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. Let's believe the best about your pastor right now. Thank you very much. So here's a question. If you're not naturally bent towards believing the best, how do we get there? How do we get there? Here's how we get there. Every time a gap occurs between your expectations and their behaviors, we think in our minds, we, and it takes work, it takes work. What's the most generous 
explanation for this gap. And then we choose to believe that every time. Some of you are pushing back. This is where you're on the back of your notes right now. You're writing things down. You're saying, yeah, but if I choose to believe the best, what if, what if she takes advantage of that? What if he abuses that? I'll tell you, it could happen. It could happen. It could. So you have a choice. You can choose to assume the worst, and you'll probably be right more often than not. But you'll be miserable, and your marriage will suffer. Or you can choose to believe the best, and you might get burned from time to time. But overall, your marriage will be better for it, and you will be happier. Now, I'm not talking about being in an abusive relationship. I'm not talking about being in a a, a destructive relationship. I'm talking about the little everyday things, the little gaps that occur each day. What do you choose? She's not, she's not bossy. She's just intense, right? (laughs) That's good. He's not inconsiderate. He didn't mean to forget our anniversary again. He's not inconsiderate. He's just focused. And we need to focus him in the right direction. (laughs) Now, with this idea in mind, let's go back to verse 7, where Paul says, love bears all things. And we're going to dive into that. And, And love believes all things. And love hopes all things. And love endures all things. That idea of bearing all things or bearing with someone— It's the idea of covering up for them. Now, again, not covering up abuse, not covering up destructive things, but covering up the little stuff. It's the idea of concealing or hiding. It's the idea that when you go out to dinner, you don't put their their worst face on display for the other couple to see. You don't tell stories that that slam them. That's you're, you're, you're Barry. You're covering up. You ever been around a couple who's like that? You can tell they're having a tough time in their marriage because they're joking in their stories, but it's kind of, there's like an edge to it where he's just getting her and she's getting him. The reason I can joke about our marriage is because there's no edge to it. There's no edge to it. I say these jokes with Maria here. I say it to her face, but she knows. There's no edge there, but you can tell when there's an edge because they're trying. They're almost trying to hurt their spouse in front of you. That's, That's no one, that's nothing any of us want to be. How about this? Love, the love that goes the distance, it believes and trusts all things. When he's running late, again. What if you didn't assume he was a workaholic who didn't love the family? What if you assumed he had a rough day at the office? Time got away from him. He wants to be with you because he loves you and loves the kids. And instead of when he gets home saying, where were you? Why weren't you home? Because remember, if you, if you assume the worst, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. But instead of that, what if you said, you know what? I'll bet he had a rough day. When he gets home, I want to be ready for him to love him. And it could go the other way. I, I, I want to I take him out to dinner. I'm going to grab a babysitter so we can go out. Or I'm going to, even better, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the kids away so we can have a time together, just the two of us. Some of you guys are like, that's a good application point. Write it on your notes. What would it look like to believe the best in every situation? What would it look like to endure? Even when things get tough, 
to endure all things, to have that foundational bedrock where your spouse knows no matter how tough things get, I'm with you. I'm with you. I said yes. I chose my love. Now I'm going to love my choice for the rest of my life. That's good. You should write that down. You could tweet that. I chose my love. I'm going to love my choice. This is very exciting. It's the lights. Like, whoop, whoop. How are you? Just an inventory. Just an inventory. How are you? At bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things. How are you doing? How's it affecting your marriage? I can tell you this. Every time we assume the worst, we are contributing to the demise of our marriage. Every single time, we are eroding away at our marriage. And here's why. God designed us to long for acceptance, unconditional love, and partnership. And we rise to that. We rise to that. But God designed us to pull away from people who don't believe in us, who are constantly writing us, who are deriding us. And every time we assume the worst, it comes out like that, and it will lead to the demise of a relationship. But when we believe the best, more often than not, our spouse rises to that belief. They rise to it. They want to be the person you believe they are. I do have, I do have one disclaimer. This doesn't mean that once you've had a difficult conversation, everything will be fixed. It does mean that after conversations are over, you and I choose to believe the best rather than assume the worst. Marriage is work, and it is honest, open dialogue. And sometimes we have difficult conversations, and then two days later, our spouse is doing the exact same thing we thought we agreed we'd never do again. And at that moment, it gets really hard to believe the best. So it doesn't mean that we don't have conversations, but it means that two days later when they mess up, we don't assume that they weren't listening, don't care, don't love us. What we do assume is that it takes time to change patterns. The patterns didn't start in a day. They will not stop in a day. And we give our spouse the grace to succeed. Jesus sums it up like this, and I love this, because remember, the point of marriage is to, is to look at how we can become more like Jesus. Notice what he says in Luke chapter 6. Treat other people the same way you want them to treat you. Are you kidding me? One sentence. Jesus was like the best preacher in the world. He would have, he would have made this sermon like 30 seconds. It takes me more time. Treat others the way you want them to treat you. Are you seeing that? Isn't this really what we want from our spouse? Isn't this what we want? We want them to believe the best in us? Jesus says if you want that from them, give it to them. Give it to them. The best couples, the ones that are happy, the ones that succeed, do this. And in the process, become more like Jesus because we believe the best. Because have you ever stopped and paused, thought about the fact that when Jesus looked at us, there was a huge gap between his expectations of what we were capable of and our behaviors? A huge gap. We, we celebrated that in communion. We do every week. That there's this gap that exists between God and people caused by our sin, the choices we've made, the behaviors we have chosen 
to dwell on and, and do. And it caused a gap between us and God. God's expectation was that we would have a relationship with him, a partnership with him, where God is like a personal heavenly father walking through life with us, and that we would walk with him in this life and walk with him into eternity. But because of our behaviors, we separated ourselves from God. But you know what Jesus did? Because he, he, is, he is so loving and good, he chose to believe the best in that gap. And how did he show it? He said, well, I believe that each of the people in this room, each of us, Jesus said, is worth leaving my home in heaven and coming to earth for. Each of us in this room, Jesus said, is worth giving my life for. Because Jesus believed that if we understood the depths of his love for us, it would transform us. And many hundreds of us in this church have experienced God's transforming love, and it is transforming us. That's what love does. It believes the best. It loves in the face of missed expectations. And if God did that for us, wouldn't we want to do it for our spouse? Wouldn't we? And if you're here today, and you've never, you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, I just want you to know that this is what God did for you. He believes in you. Even if you feel like you're a million miles away from God, did you know he believes in you? Even if you, right now as I'm talking, you have stories playing in your head of what you've done and where you've been and what you've said, did you know that God believes in you? He believes the best about you and he gave his life for you so that you could experience his forgiveness for the things you've done to others, so that you could experience his healing for the ways that you've been hurt by others. Did you know that Jesus believes in you so much that he gave his life for you to take the penalty for your sin and then Jesus offers you his Holy Spirit to live in you, to live in me so that we can experience God's power working in us to live the life we were created to live? That, that's the kind of love that God has for you. And I'm gonna pray. I wanna pray for two groups of us. The first is I'm gonna pray for those of us who are in relationships right now whether it's marriage or dating or just a friendship, and there's a gap between expectations and behaviors, I'm going to pray that God would help us to believe the best in those gaps. Because it is not always easy, especially if you're bent towards this. It's going to take some work, but I'm telling you, if we work it, if we work it, God will do some work in our lives. And then I'm going to pray for you if you're ready to commit your life to God to say yes to him, to start a relationship with him. I want to give you a chance to do that. And the way that you can start this relationship with him is by simply praying a prayer of commitment where you would say yes to God and you would invite him to be your leader and your savior. And it's that simple. And God hears and responds and he starts a journey with you. And it's not the end of your journey. It's the beginning of your journey with God. But you do it in the context of a relationship with a God who loves you and has a plan for your life. So would you join me as we pray together? Lord, for any friend here, and probably, Lord, for all of us here, I would ask that you would help us in these gaps. Help us to believe the best. Whether we need to believe the best about our spouse this week, believe the best about one of our kids this week, maybe we need to believe the best about a coworker this week, maybe we need to believe the best about a roommate or about our parents or about a friend but for each of us, God, wherever there's a gap, would you help us to fill that gap with believing the best? 
as we do that, would you guide that person to rise up to that belief? Would you strengthen relationships? Would you strengthen marriages, God, today and this week and through this series? If there are friends who are going to go home and have conversations, maybe conversations where they need to apologize for assuming the worst, would you guide those conversations? Would they be conversations that are flavored by grace and kindness and gentleness and humility? And if you're here today and you're ready to commit your life to God, to start this journey with him, you can repeat this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.